I'm Murphy, John Murphy. And I'm Humes, Christian Humes. And you're listening to Watch World. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Welcome to Watch World. I'm your host, John Murphy. With me always is my co-host, Christian Humes. And we are continuing our James Bond spectacular with the amazing underwater adventure of Thunderball. Is it, one might call it uh, amazing spectacular. Oh, yeah, spectacular spectacular adventure of thunderball the movie or the story that killed ian fleming basically <laughs> which i will now get into now um yeah so <laughs> thunderball this i actually i i only watched this movie once before it's mm. been a really long time i think i was always really hesitant about watching it because i always felt like it had that problem of a lot of movies of this era of bad underwater action that's not really that interesting yeah it's just you're just watching people in in scuba gear like yeah like strangle each other for a while and there's definitely moments in this movie where that is the case though actually i surprisingly found the final battle to be actually kind of like a little like kind of not as boring as i thought it was going to be with people just shooting darts at each other and (laughs) stabbing each other you gotta love a a spear nice spear to the there's there were some pretty cool effects actually, like yeah. one guy getting like a spear to like the forearm mm-hmm. and other things like that. There's some cool stuff, you know. Reminded me a little bit of Mad Max when Mad Max gets like shot in the face in Fury Road with a spear. I don't know. <laughs> oh yeah, I should rewatch that. So I've only seen that movie once in theaters, um, but boy, was that a great movie! I should rewatch that. Yeah, no, no, you should. It's definitely. Always a great watch, just because it's probably the you know one of the most competent action movies, yeah, ever filmed. So yeah, it's a great movie. Um, um anyways, <laughs> I I thought the way this movie started was a little funny. Uh, there's quite a few scenes in it that like I feel like if any one movie, and I've mentioned this before, like uh, influenced Austin Powers, it was this movie. There are definitely very iconic moments in this movie that clearly. Um, Austin Powers, I think, borrows heavily from. Um, oh yeah, you know, I think the Spectre meeting in the beginning with that—that's the one right yeah, there. That the one, and then yeah. later with Fiona Volpe and the using like you know in the dance and yep, you know the bullet using the bullet and stuff. Um, but so actually, so before we kind of dive into it with you know discussing, I think the book around it. The reason why I said this is the movie or this is the story that killed Ian Fleming was so in the late 50s i think when you know before the the books were they were kind of popular the first initial books like casino royale were like very popular but the movies haven't been made yet um the fleming you know he dabbled in i think we discussed like there was a television version of casino royale with jimmy bond and it wasn't a very good and he hated that um he was approached about doing a like a film version of doing uh, translating bond to a cinematic uh story which he ended up partnering with these two other guys kevin mcclory and jack whittingham to develop like a treatment for what would a bond movie look like that wasn't based on a book yet so they came up with this story called thunderball and then what happened was that fizzled out and Ian Fleming made the terrible mistake of instead of just letting that die, he's like, I'm just going to take this treatment and craft the novel Thunderball and not credit 
Kevin McClory or Jack Whittingham. Yeah, bad move, bad move. Bad move, bad move. So what happened was, when this movie came, when this book came out, it was very popular. It also was going to be the first movie they were going to make was Thunderball, not Dr. No. But what happened was, Kevin McClory comes around and is like, hey, what the hell? Like, we developed this together. You didn't credit me. Like, I should be credited. What ended up being a very long legal dispute lasting almost 50 years between the estates um, ended up, you know, so basically like this created so many legal problems because of Fleming basically deciding instead of leaving this be, he's like, I'm going to make this into a book and not credit yeah. the other guy. So that's why when you look at the, the producer credits in the beginning, it's Kevin McClory and not Cubby Broccoli and Robert uh, Harry Saltzman. Because as part of the settlement, they had to give him producer credit. Hmm. And they also gave him the rights to Spectre, Blofeld, some other key characters that he ended up taking away. Which is why we didn't have them originally in the new version of Bond until later. Correct, until basically 2013 and when they finally... I kind of wish they had just stuck with Quantum. Like, it's just a name, you know? Who cares? Yeah, I mean, it... It sort of makes sense to kind of just leave it be, leave it as is. But I think, you know, there's, I think, a reason why these next kind of three or four stories we'll get into when it gets into, like, the full Spectre stories. Because right now, so far in the kind of some of this book stuff, it's been very peripheral. Like, you know, Blofeld's kind of been in the shadows waiting and, like, preparing. And this is, like, the first real introduction of that, of that character in Spectre because of, of this story. Um, and you know, the producers sort of retroactively inserted Spectre into Dr. No, into From Russia with Love, into Goldfinger, not really Goldfinger, but like, you know, the leadings, the movies yeah. leading up to this. Um, so they were kind of teasing this. And so this is kind of our first real introduction. And that's why also this, this story feels, I think the most cinematic sometimes in some ways. Sure. You, I will say, um, I don't know, like I used to always, I was under the belief that Sean Connery was the Bond, and having not had him in a while, when we came back to him, I was like, oh, there's like a kindness in some ways that feels like it's missing now. <laughs> like, as far as in this story versus the previous? Yeah, just, or just in general, just the way he plays Bond, it just feels a little bit like colder and harsher. Yeah, I could see, I could sense that a little bit um he's definitely more he seems less approachable yeah except for there's one moment when he's talking with q i felt he had a really nice moment with him when he's explaining the gadgets uh when he was just screwing with q yeah and and when one of my favorite scenes in the movie and then when bond's like what do i do with this tracking device and q's like you swallow it he's like now like really i thought that was a great moment uh between the two but i i I feel like from a this actually did help set up a ton of other stories in the sense that the plot of villain steal something powerful a weapon like a nuclear weapon or a shuttle or something you see it so many times this is kind of the the, the main story yeah. that kind of brought this that became forward. the format yeah and so i think what i like about this one is it not only gives that setup but then it actually has very clear like stakes and a timeline it's like specter is stolen two new nuclear warheads they're planning to uh, blackmail basically NATO, the back of the world, into paying the money. And so there's this deadline of Bond has to find out where the bombs are before, you know, before they pay, basically. 
inspectors. So, right. So I like I like that a lot versus some other stories where it's not so there's no not much of a uh, ticking clock. This one felt more of a, a definitely the stakes were kind of pushing things along, which I felt was way better in that way. That's why I did like actually a lot of a lot of the story. Um, but yeah, so and like, I mean, like I said, so the protracted legal fight basically gave Ian Fleming so much stress that by the time they got to like 1965, he passed away. <laughs> so that's why I was like, and people sort of say that Kevin McClory's sort of lawsuit against him and all that stuff sort of was when it, in addition to his incessant smoking and drinking, oh my ultimately God. killed him, but because he had a heart attack. So, um, but yeah, Just so one more piece of stress. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's the rule. Basically don't, you know, you know, if you're a successful writer, don't try to steal people or, and you work with people, don't try to like push them out because they'll come back at you with the. Yeah. Don't take credit for things that you shouldn't take credit for. And if you do screw up, make sure you give credit to people who deserve it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So we open up with a funeral and Bond is, I guess, tracking down this one guy he's going to kill. Um, what did you think of this? I, I kind of liked this fist fight, even though the man is sort of dressed up as a woman and it's kind of weird. But like, I, I, yeah. thought, I thought the actual fist fight was pretty cool. Yeah, I thought the fight was pretty cool. Um, it was just strange. Right. Yeah, it was very um, almost like psycho, you know, when, you know, Bates kind of dresses up as his mother type of situation. <laughs> That's what it reminded me of. Um, but I felt like them using like basically every item in the room to like try to kill each other was pretty cool. Yeah, I think the way that they did the fight, also just like the way he was kind of like watching them from afar and then he kind of like goes in after the guy. Like, how did he know? <laughs> yeah, that, that that was it's a little kind of a forced setup, but I think it once you get to the actual fight, it's cool. The jetpack, which is pretty iconic, I think. Um, yeah, that's definitely iconic. Though it's kind of unnecessary. It's like it's totally he, unnecessary. He uses it for to get maybe like a hundred feet away from the building. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then has to like help you know, get help for, with his lady friend to help with pack it in the trunk and the guys are still coming out of the building. <laughs> yeah. I mean this is still the retro futurist era. Like the people who are making this like grew up watching those like the world of tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, we'll ride your jetpack. And they were like, Oh, we could make that. Yeah. It is funny seeing Sean Connery had to put that little helmet on though. <laughs> as he flies away you know that was pretty funny um and then they like as they're being shot at in the car it's kind of cool like he brings the little like uh bulletproof backing comes up and then he's got like the two hoses that shoot water out comically at the yeah. people um which brings us to the title sequence tom jones did the theme of thunderball you know fine what's new pussycat guy um, i think it was fine it's a it's like a it it's very much in the same realm of Goldfinger, that kind of big brassy. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's not as iconic as Goldfinger. So, yeah, I, I get like it's not my favorite, but I think it definitely works. And I, I like how they did blend in the certain theme of it. But then you have like the kind of James Bond kind of theme weaved in a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it sounds like a James Bond song. Yeah. And and they use it Which pretty well. Which is why it's fine. Like it, it, it feels appropriate, but it didn't feel necessarily like really unique. Yes, yes, I, I agree. Um, but it's also not bad. Like, it wasn't a bad song. It was just, it was kind of like, yeah, this is a James Bond theme song. Definitely. I heard that Tom Jones, on the last note, you know, as it's hitting, he actually mm -hmm. passed out in the booth. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's been hot. 
Yeah, but he was like doing this like crazy long like note that he was holding on forever. So. Yeah, <laughs> that's wild. Uh, but uh, yeah, and then um, we go to the spa for the early part of this movie. James Bond is sent to a spa to, I guess, a little R and R. Um, yeah, you got to get a little respite, man, after you just beat up uh, someone that was dressed as a woman at a funeral. Yeah, it's I like it in the book because it's it's basically like M is like, Bond, you look like shit. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm sending you to basically detox for two weeks. Yeah. And so, um, which is also like I, what I like about this plot is it reminds me again, like of Goldfinger in that while like sort of seemingly in this sort of random location he stumbles upon something that will then lead to blah 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 um so that's why that's why i kind of liked the story because it reminded me a lot of that beginning of uh goldfinger but um but yeah uh the you know the i think the highlight of this is the weird back machine that he has to use yeah <laughs> this seemed like a torture device before it was clear it was about to become one yeah, it's actually funny how how this movie is straight the book. Like it is, is every, it really? Yeah, there's really no difference other than the gadgets and maybe some of the heightened, um, interesting aspects. But all of it, it, like it's, which is also I think maybe why this whole first act is a little slow. It yeah. feels a little slow because I think they do the exact same structure as as the book, and you're like. Okay, like, yeah, like, he sees this guy who has his tattoo, and he's, like, trying to figure out, like, what it means, and the guy then tries to kill Bond, or, like, not kill him, but, like, you know, issue a threat by turning on this back machine too high. Yeah, but <laughs> it doesn't seem like any of Bond's enemies usually want him dead. They just want to make him escape. Yeah. Yeah, they just want to, like, you know, they want to... They just want to torture him. Yeah, tell him to back off by giving yeah. him a nice little threat, which d- doesn't They're end up like, working. leave us alone! <laughs> You could just left a note for him being like yeah. back off. Um, but uh, I like when <laughs> well, I don't like it because Bond is a little scumbag here after the machine doesn't work. And oh boy. And the nurse is like, oh, my God, like, please don't tell my superior. He's like, I won't tell your superior if you go to bed with me. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's basically that's in the book. And unfortunately, it's just, you know, Bond's kind of a scumbag. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this is like possibly the worst of it that we've seen this at this point. Um, which, I mean, I don't know. Was Ian Fleming a ladies' man, or was he like a nerd? Probably like a nerd. He was a nerd, but he also had some very, I think, curmudgeonly thoughts about both women. He had like, yeah. about a lot of different people and and different groups of people. So like, I just like looking at this, I sort of see like someone that like has no good relationship with like people of color and women and things like that. And also just like a general like nerd who <laughs> looked at people who were like cool and charming and just sees how they could exert power. And so now like, it's like, Oh, if you give this writer like ultimate power, what does he do? He just like makes this character that tells people like, like it's just kind of, I feel like that was Ian Fleming coming through right there. Oh yeah. That writing. De- definitely bond is, sort of Fleming fantasizing about himself because also like Fleming was in the secret service in during World War II and like yeah kind of based a lot of his experiences in the war uh, like on yeah this. and so like it is kind of his male fantasy kind of taken to heightened levels and I 
and you know the the book the movies capture what was kind of in the books in that way um, yeah and, and just the weird thing about it to me is how it's not like it's um it's not like we're sitting here and being like oh well this is a problem because he's writing these women like they just fawn over bond it's like no he's actually just writing bond like he's exerting his control over these women like it's doubly worse than it typically is yeah because it's also his his mo as far as like how he operates you know on a mission and like he just can't turn that off right so i think i think like this is the kind of stuff that like they've really started to get way better with as like future bonds come in but this is like i would say the worst of it yeah i think it's funny how they address it later in the sense that you know in the roger moore era it's just women throw themselves at him right which is which which at least then like um you know it's not like a consent like this is like a uh, this is basically rape right like it's yeah you know it's it's, it's, it's blackmail yeah, but it's also it's uh there's no real consent because like you know he's exerting control over her. Yeah, like, even and then, if she, even if he's joking, she doesn't know that. It is kind of the Connery thing of he yeah. exerts his control, but then they always end up like being like okay, and then cool with it afterwards. Sure. Sure, or at least that's how, you know, like, if you have to think about the characters as real people, it's like, well, at least that's how they acted anyway. It's just, like, I think this is, like, the the most, like, if people have a problem with, like, the James Bond, like, the way they sexualize women and everything, um, I think that that's totally appropriate, but this is something that I think well, is, Well, like it is also just kind inexcusable of... in this movie. Yeah, well, it's it, just in this moment in the sense that, like, he just almost died, almost got his, like, back fucked up. And yeah. he's like, I'm just like, instead of really worrying about that, he's like, I'm going to use this situation right now just to get a little tail, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so it's more of just like a scummy move that like, you're just kind of like, eh, you don't need to, but whatever. It's like, I guess it's kind of in line with what you've been doing this character. So, yeah, it, it uh, it's unfortunate, but that's why it's the legacy of Bond. You know, it's not necessarily... That's, yeah, it's like possibly the best thing about them basically rebooting it every time with a new bond is that every generation they're able to kind of improve yeah. Yeah. all the faults of him. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, let's talk about the Spectre scene where we get introduction to Emilio Largo as well as Blofeld again, who's kind of sitting in this weird booth with his cat where you can't see yeah. his face. Um, I thought it was like, again, like, like you mentioned, very iconic sort of villain scene that's you know completely sort of parodied by austin powers Uh, oh big time i mean i loved this in fact while watching this whole scene all i could think was i hope the next time they do bond even if they go i want like i want them to go campy or go very spy slower like i want them to go one of two directions that's different from where we're at now but um whatever they decide to do i kind of hope they come up with some sort of like overarching because we live, you know, in the Marvel era now where, like, if you're going to do, like, these multi-piece movies, I would love it if there's, like, even just small threads that are pre-planned. It's like, it's like you know, you can write the movies however you want, but, like, just have this element in it. Because seeing, like, all these bad dudes in that, like, briefing room and he's got his, he's like, number two, number eight. Like, I loved that. And I would love to see, like, a grand Bond story really put together that way. Yeah, it's obviously they've tried that recently, but I think not to a successful degree with Spectre. The yeah, movie. but isn't that I th- I feel like that's slightly more a result of like they tried to do it retroactively as opposed to doing it 
ahead of time. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, uh, next time around, I want them to try, like, execute appropriately on, like, the new idea. Yeah, and it would be cool to do a, like, a a fully planned out three movie trilogy. Yeah, like, or, and it doesn't have to be a trilogy. It could even be, like, over the course of, like, let's say they do four or five movies. But it's well, just, I, like, I, I think you honestly know at some can... point we're going to land here. Yeah, sort of thing. I think you could honestly do, you could take this you can take thunderball you could take honor major secret service and you can take you only live twice and make a three sort of movie specter kind of story yeah out, out of those three with like blofeld being the overall villain of you know sort of of the movies and and i think it could work really well it's just this one they've kind of you'll you'll see it's very interesting how they do this because when we watch the next three movie like this movie and the next two they're out of order from the books and they actually don't really make a lick of sense <laughs> when, oh boy. when you watch him. Some of these things where Blofeld's heavily in the next movie and then suddenly and then in the one when we get to Honor Magic Secret Service, somehow they don't know each other again. And it's like almost like they reset. And that's when they reset with Lazenby. So it's like we it's kind of it is strange to watch. Um, but I, I think this Spectre scene is great. I love the I think they they did this in from Russia with Love, but the part where it's like Blofeld's mad at the one guy, and he's like all nervous, and then but he ends up killing the other guy. That's like was his American partner instead. You're like, oh, he killed the wrong guy. Oh my god! <laughs> or he killed the, he killed the other one that was confident and he wasn't gonna get zapped. You know, um, I, which I thought was great. Um, I wonder how many chairs they have to go through to like if that happens a lot or, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wonder. <laughs> Yeah, I, it seems uh, like one of those things where you can't think about this character enough. I was just thinking in my, in my I, I mean, a lot, because I was just thinking in my head, like, oh, it'd be cool if we got a lot more of a perspective of the villain, too. Yeah. Um, Because that always makes them better. But then once you said that, I'm like, yeah, actually, once you show too much, you start asking too many questions, and none of this makes sense. So maybe they just showed the right amount. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I think... um. Yeah, just wipe out your underlings left and right. You're going to have no one left who's confident. Yeah, but I think they make it seem like, oh, like I see the Spectre kind of like the Sith in the sense that it's full of really um, ambitious people that want to get ahead in life, but they're also like very cutthroat and willing to all like kill each other if they had the chance. And so like Blofeld is like runs it very much like a... He's the emperor. Yeah, and he's like, (laughs) I don't trust anyone that actually works for me. Even though we all work together, it's kind of yeah. So and then and then Bond is like the Jedi in MI six, yeah. and M is like Yoda. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, definitely. There's uh, I think uh, that I make that comparison. Um, yeah, I could see that 100. percent You know, um, but Emilio Largo, I think, would, is interesting because in the book he's kind of described as this very almost the Italian version of Bond. Yeah, I really liked this character. In fact, it made me think of um, 006 from like GoldenEye. Like yes, yeah, yeah. It's like he kind of, I like him better, more described in the book versus, I, I think the actor Adolfo Sili is like this famous Italian actor they got. And he's a little like older and more doughy than sure. I'd like, but I think he still does a pretty good job, I think, yeah. for the most part. Um, you know, but yeah, I, I, I like the fact that he's this sort of very... Uh, I think he's got a really good plan for the most part. And I think, and I, I like that they go through all these kind of steps to secure it, the bombs and all these kind of cool things to go through. And then um, I did like the fact that like, they actually gave reason why he can't kill bond. You know, they actually were like, well, if we kill him and not in the right way, it's like, we're going to alert 
you know, basically the West to what's going like what, you know, where the bombs are. Yeah. Um, which I love in the scene where Bond is called to MI6 and you have that huge like meeting scene where M is with like the defense minister and they bring in all the other double O's, which is cool. Yeah. That's what actually like what I really love about this movie is like you really felt that Bond was part of a team, like an actual organization. And yeah. he's just one of the people in the system. He just gets lucky with his, you know, where he wants to go to find the bomb bombs, obviously. But yeah, it makes me want to see more of the other double O's. Yeah. I kind of wish there was maybe a scene where like he sits down before they even begin the meeting. And it's like him chat chatting with some of the other double O's of being like, oh, yeah, yeah like, blah, blah, blah. like I want to see him go on a mission with other double O's like where it's like, all right, we're going to need all of you on this one. Yeah, like almost like an Ocean's Eleven. I'm surprised they've never done that before. <laughs> yeah, I want that in the next. I want that yeah. in a Bond. Yeah, because we we've had that obviously with Trevelyan and and in Goldeneye, and then a couple of times in some other movies. There's yeah, been, it seems like we're getting that a little bit in the new one. Yeah, there's going to be like sort of you're getting more of that because I think he's out of the service or like out of the service. Yeah, and, and like, it's, uh, um, I can't remember the actress that's playing her, but she sort of replaced him. I think. Yeah, she's like the new Double O. Yeah, sense, but... so that'll be cool. I yeah. hope it's cool. Yeah, no, I hope so too. Um, but yeah, I, I really like that the scene where they're explaining what happened and they're explaining basically these bombs were taken and, um, you know, we we have basically four days before you know we're supposed to pay this ransom on it. Um, though I did feel like the we didn't really need the whole plane, you know, sort of crash it, fake crashing, um, you know, Largo cutting the guys water tank or you know air tank and then i kind of like this it was a little slow i felt like you could have sped up this whole part of them sure extracting the bombs and um and this could almost have been the opening i i okay so i was about to say that i actually while watching this thought it would have been almost cool to see this out of context yeah like during the opening as like an intro to this character like because also if you, they had done that you would have thought that like when he like takes his mask off or something that it would have been bond and then yeah. it's this other dude yeah and like it would have been a cool way to set him up that was the exact thought i had while watching this yeah like it's almost like they were too they like i think it's good as a book structure the way this is done but as a movie structure you almost like i wish they had put this this whole thing sooner this is the introduction yeah. of them stealing the bombs and then you put the specter scene a little bit later yeah with, after this with then following up the m scene where they're explaining what happened yeah i mean but movies traditionally back then didn't do as much stuff non-linearly so that's yeah know, but it would have been better because it's like oh wow imagine instead of for once starting on a cold mode bond you start on like who's going to be bond's rival during this now you've made this guy look like such a badass that when you do see him go head to a bond later you're going to be like oh damn he better watch out yeah no yeah i i, I agree and and I just kind of felt this whole point is like what well, I knew what they were doing and I knew what was happening. So it was, I was just kind of waiting for them to get through the scene and there's not really any music during the scene either. It's, um, and it's just them extracting the bombs out of the ship and yeah. And putting yeah. Yeah. I mean, once, once that happens, yes, it's very slow, yeah. but I did think the like plane scene was very good. Yeah. The plane scene was good. And, and, um, later when they get to the disco Volante ship, I love how all the guys are wearing like the M my disco Volante shirts. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like they're like roadies in a band. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was like such a weird cosmetic choice they made. But um uh 
then let's see. Um, Bond gets the idea to investigate the pilot of this ship or this plane that went missing by maybe trying to find out where his sister is because he finds this photo, Domino. Uh, right. And this is where we go to Domino. I felt like Dom- the actress who plays Domino and the actress who plays Fiona Vilpay later, they all look similar. I kind of was like almost confused sometimes. <laughs> sure. <laughs> the only one that actually like didn't, that like felt, looked unique was Paula, his like assistant at the hotel. Like I was like, this actor girl seems cool. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I like this one. But Domino, I think, what do you think her as a Bond girl? Uh, I mean, I th- I liked that. Um, I mean, I liked that she was, again, a capable Bond girl in the fact that, like, she sort of takes out the guy at the end there. Yeah, which is from the book, which is great. Yeah, so I, I appreciated that. But otherwise, um, it didn't come off as anything particularly unique. Yeah, um, it's not like the other. It's at least not a ridiculous name. No, I like I like it. As a as a her nickname, yeah, um, I think Domino's a good name, but uh, and I think she at least did a handful of things that were competent, especially like a big one at the end. But otherwise, um, like there wasn't anything like character wise, like oh, I'm I'm gonna remember this character as a Bond girl. No, no, I think I think she's not necessarily too standout, but I think she's, I think she works for the story. She's obviously tied to the story emotionally, and it, yeah, I, I think giving her the moment at the end where she shoots Largo in the back of the spear. Oh, that was awesome. I think I think that fits really well yeah just visually i don't think she did anything that was iconic no you know? other, other than um when she rode that poor sea turtle in the beginning oh my god i was yeah, like no don't just, do that I just, like leave the fucking turtle alone that's all i kept thinking i was like well i was like oh i want to swim with the turtles but then i'm like wait is she just like riding the turtle I was like leave that that they, turtle was so pissed i'm pretty sure they also kill a shark in this movie Ugh. like there there was some definitely some animal abuse going on in this one that we don't quite know for certain but yeah that poor turtle i was like people shouldn't be doing this obviously in the 60s they thought they could do whatever they want so um people i guess liked riding turtles you know but um yeah bonds um the way he uh gets the introduction there and kind of forces his way for give Dono to give him a ride back on the boat he leaves paula on the other boat and i'm like i'm like you have a capable ride but uh, I guess he's got to, you know, he's got to cozy up to Domino here to get get some information. But um, we're reintroduced to Felix again, too. For, at first, you don't know who he is. He's just like some creeper guy on the beach. But then later, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's Felix. Yeah, I got to tell you, man. I, again, just every time we watch this, I'm like, man, this Felix character is so much bigger than I remember. And I'm going to really miss Jeffrey Wright as Felix in the future. Yeah. Like, I want them to uh, M him and just make him felix for the next like 30 years until he can't do it anymore <laughs> yeah this this felix is okay he's a little like gary Busey to me yep like he just kind of has this like oh and we when we watch like diamonds are forever he reminds me a little bit of jimmy dean kind of like it's just a bit of a joke <laughs> yeah he doesn't really do much either he like only really pilots a helicopter and it's constantly like james you can't go over there You're like what are you doing you know um you know, he, yeah, so it's, but it's always nice to have Felix, and Felix is in the book. Um, you, I think in this point in the book, he was out of the CIA for a while. He was working for the Pinkertons as like a, basically a, a bounty oh hunter. God. And oh then, my God. and then, but then because of 
Uh, the Pinkertons. Yeah, but because of uh, Operation Thunderball, he gets pulled back. Like, CIA brings him back in because they needed all hands on deck to find out uh, where these bombs are. So, yeah, uh, Felix is great for the most part. Um, you know, we get the... I, I actually really like Fiona Volpe as this kind of other Spectre uh, villain, which is I think is really cool. Um, I like her as this sort of she's bad. She's not. She's willing to sleep with Bond. Um, she kind of like gets one step ahead of him a bunch of times, which is great. Um, I love. Actually, I really, really love the part where Bond has to escape from her and the goons, and he's like wounded, and it's this whole parade sequence. I actually thought the stuff was really cool. Yeah. Um, I think this was like the part of the movie where it felt more noticeable like the slower parts because the more enjoyable pieces of it i kind of felt like i don't know there there's something about this movie i think the name of it and i just i remember hearing a lot about this movie being really good but um it almost feels like it's a little reductive for some other bond movies which is why like some of the slower parts i think feel really slow and then the good parts you're kind of like oh yeah this is what i like i like this stuff yeah i mean there's definitely some i think really high iconic moments in this movie where yeah um when he first meets meets uh, Largo and it's like they're doing skeet shooting and he's like, oh yeah, there's a line I think it's like, I don't know much about guns, but I know a lot about women. Like, but that's that's what's interesting about it. It's like some of the scenes are like really great and unique yeah. and added a lot to the franchise all, all like overall, but then other scenes just feel like uh, paint by numbers. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, and then, uh, but uh, yeah, you yeah, know I, I agree. I think it's. And then I think the thing, the thing that doesn't hold up as much is the underwater stuff. I think it's just not yeah. as it's. I think it, that the, just must be a result of like they had the technology to film stuff underwater, and that was novel at the time. Yeah, it was like you haven't seen really this before. You know, I feel like this is going to be how we're going to see like Tom Cruise in space when he does his space movie. You know, it's, everything's going to be like, oh, it's so cool at the time, and then like later we'll be like, eh, maybe not. Who knows? Uh, something about to- about filming in space seems like it, it'll probably be novel for quite a while. Maybe we'll see. That that, that seems like there's going to be a, a bit more of a, a barrier of entry than just um, water sealed cameras. Yeah, I mean, it may be a spectacle <laughs> probably of it all, but I just think you it know. maybe it's uh, similar in the sense that maybe they're going to have a lot of limitations that won't allow yeah, them I'm to certain. be as cinematic as they maybe want. Oh, I'm certain. Same, but, um, same thing here, where it's like the spectacle of being underwater with underwater cameras ultimately doesn't translate that well to a cinematic uh like doesn't make it appealing in that way as as much why did they love putting stuff in like the bahamas so much in these movies um because ian fleming lived there and he just liked to write a lot of his okay. stories were based in jamaica sense. or the bahamas or the caribbean places yeah that so makes bond is very sense. very very much tied to this okay. region I'd never understood. I was. They were like, we're headed to Nassau again. I'm like, what is happening? Yeah. So yeah, I think definitely it's one of those things where more so than other iconic characters, um, it's kind of like how Indiana Jones is intrinsically tied to like the desert in like Egypt and sure because of raiders and stuff. So it's like that makes more sense. And so like for Bond, it's like I think for him he can go like he does go all over the world and goes to different locations but I think he feels almost most at home in the Caribbean. Yeah, you know, for whatever reason. But um I love uh, going back to that skeet shooting scene. I love the shot of Sean Connery when he like 
has the he loads the gun and then shoots does it all in the one shot like shoots the skeet and then like looks back at largo and smiles and that was a cool shot <laughs> yeah i mean i think most of the scenes with largo are pretty good yeah even if he's a little frumpy yeah and i think he's dubbed too i think largo's dub, like the actor's dubbed. Oh, really yeah yeah I, c- I could see that for the time yeah because they, they dubbed uh goldfinger he's completely I'm not, and most really? of the, most of the actors are, i think outside of connery are, at during this time are dubbed huh yeah because they get a lot of like european actors to play these characters and so then they're sometimes they're Accents aren't as uh, don't really work. So especially a lot of the Bond girls because they get a lot of Swedish models and Italian models to play them. So they're like, give them a more American. Yeah, <laughs> that's surprising to me. That's interesting. I never would have guessed that. Yeah, I mean it's, it is weird to think, but um, it's very common in this era. Hmm. Um, but yeah, um, the. Like I said, I, what I did like about the whole parade sequence and him running from Fiona Volpe and like the the guards or like her goons was like I do like when Bond is wounded and like on the run and like there's actually like heightened sense of danger. Anytime Bond gets hurt and it feels like he's up against the odds, I'm in. That's yeah. my that's some of my favorite Bond action stuff. I don't like it when it feels like Bond is able to just wave his hand like it's magic and just overcome things insurmountably. Yeah. I think yeah, so like that, that's why I like the whole parade stuff because it's it is it feels like there's actual danger here. Although it is kind of funny how like that seems to all go away as soon as they get to that dance party thing, and it's like so you're willing to like run through this parade looking for Bond, but you're not willing to like disrupt this dance going on. And that drummer man, when that gun's coming out, that drummer is just he's going way off beat. I don't or way way off the music. I'm like I don't know what's happening right now. Uh, it's hard to keep a beat man yeah and i don't know what their plan i don't know what volpe's plan was necessarily because she was like i'm gonna position bond here so that he gets shot but then she's the one that gets shot and then the other guard like the other guards are just like oh like they don't really (laughs) yeah it's almost comical how like the incompetence of some of these people yeah but i do like how he places her on the table and she's like can my friend sit here she's dead Uh, that's so funny and then and then i love the moment before that when he gets that first woman to dance with him and then volpe oh, comes yeah. up and she's like you didn't tell me your wife was here your wife <laughs> he's like what he's like damn it um other iconic scene later with that one goon that um i think it was vargas um with the with the spear where he's like bond is hanging out with domino does the, the spear gun to Vargas. I think it's a pretty iconic scene too. I think a lot of people reference that. Yeah, I think I've seen that uh influenced in other with like, the movies and the stuff. iconic yeah. line of I think he got the point. Yeah. Um any kind of spear gun action, man, it's like a do great you, weapon. Do you think that would like I feel like you would just it's like being hit with an arrow in the sense that like I think you would you wouldn't mean like collapse and pass out. You'd be like, fuck. I mean, it depends where you get hit. I guess. Like, if right. you get in the heart, yeah. Like, you probably would collapse instantly. But if you got, like, hit in the stomach. Well, if it goes through your lungs. Yeah, but you would probably, like. <gasps> like yeah, maybe. I think but, it, I think they also, there's just, like, it's kind of like also the whole, like, hitting someone over the head. And they get knocked out. Yeah, it's, it's. It's like when Bond uses the phone, right? Like, he's going and he's investigating that room. And the guy's just hiding behind the wall. <laughs> and the guy breaks through the window to get to Bond. 
and he hits him in the head with the phone and he just passes out. Also, Bond does some stupid corny thing with the phone where he like wraps around his neck like he's <laughs> gonna choke him, but he just kinda like he just kinda like He does calmly, a couple like, of things like that where he does yeah. that to the guy with the phone. And then in the first scene, when he's finding that the guy dressed up as a woman, he like randomly throws the flowers on him. Yeah. I was like, what? I was like, okay, is there some like inside joke here we're doing where like Bond just likes to like make it seem like he killed him during with something else and then like leaves him like that? Yeah, that was funny. Um, I love how in that one scene too, before Felix is introduced, that guy who's hiding in his bathtub and he turns on scorching hot water so quickly. To get that guy to like basically give up. <laughs> I was like, what what kind of shower water is this where you can instantly turn on your hot water and it's like scalding? <laughs> you know? Um, I actually had an experience at a hotel. Oh, okay. So so, so you, favorite... you were this guy. You were trying to ambush Bond. No, 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 man. Let me tell you. It was different. It was something that I've never I've never it's hard to even explain, but like so i'm a big water pressure guy okay. i like a high water pressure shower i've heard right. you talk about water pressure before yeah it's important it's very important to me but i went to this hotel and i've never experienced water pressure this powerful before it felt like it was going to peel my skin off uh so i just like turned it on and i jumped in and i was still, like immediately it was just like nails it felt like on my body Ooh. it was the most painful it was i was just like I didn't. I never thought I would experience a shower that could have too much water pressure. It was. It was like a pressure washer almost. Like it, it was incredible. So like I saw it. And it was the first thing it made me think of. I was like, ah. <laughs> you think Bond asked at the front desk? He's like, "How's the water pressure?" So oh, I told I them. I, no, but like Bond asked him in this movie at the yeah. front desk. He's like, "How is it?" So that I can make sure that uh, I can use it later as a as a, a weapon. Man, if you get in a shower with like bad water pressure, it just feels like you never really get clean. No, I mean like you feel like you've been stripped. Like it's like you're being power washed. Well, if it's too yeah, if it's too high. But if you get into like typically the problem is you get in, it's like a weak. Oh, too low. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's like trying to shower in the rain. It like doesn't work. Like you're just like you're like I can't get the soap off me. It's like yeah, that's true. I I I junk. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No, I agree. I I think low water. I rather definitely have higher water pressure than lower but um yeah this was an extreme case (laughs) yeah and i just think like the way they this is filmed in 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 the movie it's it's more about temperature versus pressure oh yeah Um, which uh i've definitely like when i'm washing stuff sometimes in the sink i always put it on like really hot and then every now and then i forget to lower it (laughs) and my girlfriend (laughs) will go like to wash her hands really quick and i'm like oh no (laughs) no Uh, that's funny or like do you remember deal with um it's like you're in the middle of the shower and then someone flushes the toilet and suddenly all the like cold water goes away and it's like super hot. What? That doesn't happen anymore. I know, but I feel like that used to happen. Yeah, it used to. I don't know what what um how things used to be made that that was a thing, but that doesn't happen anymore. Yeah, maybe it's like the way that piping has improved the same way that like you don't have to be on the phone and on the internet at the same time or you can't. You yeah, <laughs> yeah, good point. <laughs> Mom, get off the phone. Yeah. um yeah so i think kind of back and forth as far as um largo and bond and it ultimately culminates in a big underwater spectacle sequence um a lot of people a lot of uh stuntmen fighting and spears being shot um you know reminds me a little bit of uh, moonraker where it's like somehow the u.s just has like 
guys ready to go in full scuba gear and then just like they did in in space they're like we have guys ready to go in full jetpacks and laser beams <laughs> that we're gonna use um I kind of wanted a bit more of that. I wanted like uh, people with like, I mean, if this were today, they'd have more of those like water jetpack things. And I don't know, but it's just, it's a limitation of the time. But I did want it like almost escalated even like I wanted like some personal mini subs. and. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, we, we it reminds me like I was kind of reminded of Aquaman when watching this a little bit where it's like, that's the full other end of the spectrum where they're like, we're not even going to film in water. We're just going to like, just CG essentially the entire background, make it seem underwater, but nobody's acting like they're underwater here. <laughs> Whereas this is the other end of it where it's all completely in water. You can't tell really who's who, what's going on. The only person you can really tell who's who is um is Largo because he doesn't he's not wearing a uh he has his blonde hair. You can tell. Um I love how Bond's go to move is uh just to rip people's masks off. <laughs> he's like such a such a cheater in this world um i thought like he, he either that or he would cut people's tanks all the time yeah and also <laughs> um speaking of masks kind of face masks are you, are you saying like we should wear our masks no like like uh disguises like face masks in the movie do we get when do when do we have that no i was just i was thinking like so the mission impossible movies do that a lot uh, right yeah yeah I was thinking at the beginning of this movie, if this were done today, it wouldn't have been him just with like makeup. It would be like a full on like yes. face mask kind of a thing. Um, I'm surprised we don't really have any of that really in these older Bond movies as much. Yeah, I'm surprised too. I think the with the plot, are you talking about the, the, the thing around the, the pilot that essentially they swap, they swap yeah. identities? Yeah, I think that makes more sense. I think they wanted to make, obviously be as realistic as possible without like, it sure. being someone wearing a latex mask. Um, yeah. So and that's why they do. It seems like they're obsessed more with plastic surgery in this world. Than... Yeah, I was going to say, do you think that that's part of the whole, um, was it? Because uh... then later in Diamonds Are Forever, it's like that's the whole thing with Blofeld. It's like he's getting plastic surgery. And... Yeah. And what's the Pierce Brosnan one? Uh, Die Another Day. With yes. like the genetic, like whatever therapy thing. Like yeah. the, the North Korean guys are becoming British. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's got the diamonds in the face. Uh, yeah. 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 So that seems to be much more. Whereas like movie. in Mission Impossible, it's the you can wear someone's face on yours. And yeah. like you rip that off in iconic moments. This is more like people are permanently changing their identities. Yeah. You know, very like body snatching, which I think face off, you know, does. I think it's it's comes from the the books i think because in moonraker the book it's like um uh what's his face uh, what's the, the main villain um uh i forget uh, drax hugo drax um right he in the book is like an ex he's a nazi commando who like gradually changes his physical form to like blend you know basically become a british hero yeah it's just um as my brain got stuck because earlier I meant to bring it up when we were talking about the pilots and he said masks and I was like oh uh, it was surprising to me that they did another like face swap thing and it just it feels like one of those things that like it's such an extreme like oh they did plastic surgery to alter his face in like such a short time it's like couldn't they just have been like oh they had like a prosthetic mask on yeah uh, you know I think I think that's just I, I think the just the theme with Bond world is that there are characters that 
completely change their their identity, not just in the moment. Right. And it's like kind of about Bond discovering this character used to have this whole different life. And now they're living this new life. And whether it's physically they're different or they're just changed their name and their occupation and blah, blah, blah. So it's like, I think it's a lot about that versus in the Mission Impossible world, it's characters are using that to get something in the moment. They change their identity to like get some information out of somebody or, you know, like work around that. So I think I think it is different. But, you know, I get I get the. The appeal. I just want one time for a, a latex mask to be used by Bond. Yeah, that's all I'm asking. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, so they stop the bombs. Um, we get this kind of whole like chase sequence on the Disco Volante. I love how Largo's like, just leave the back half of the boat behind. And he leaves all those guys on that boat to just start shooting at that destroyer. <laughs> I was like, what? what are they... Like those poor guys, they're just like, oh, we're part of this crew, and now we're just like left here to just get blown out of the water. <laughs> I liked that it felt almost like a Bond esque move when it detaches. Yeah, it's kind of cool. It becomes this like cool like jet boat thing. Yeah, um, which I thought was kind of was cool. Though when it gets to the end, when Bond sneaks into the cock, you know, the sort of bridge area and is like fist fighting. Um, and then the, the, the boats turned into super overdrive and it's like the cranking is just like super high crazy where you're like, okay, this is just too much now. This is, it's too fast in the sense that they can't make it look very good. Right. Well, you could do like the green screen through the mirror, like through the window. And then... well, that's what they did a little bit yeah. when it's like the, 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 the rocks are coming and, but everything, yeah. everyone's just like moving. Like it's like a British like chase sequence where it's like, yeah, it's clear that they just sped up the film. Yeah. It's just, it's just way too much. Yep. Um, and they, you, you could have done it just fine, like a little bit faster mm-hmm. or not even, it's like, Oh, there's rocks. You have to like, he has to fist fight. Well then also like turning the ship at the same time to make sure it doesn't hit rocks because we have a nuclear weapon on board and we don't want to like, you know, accidentally have it go off in the miami bay um so yeah i i i really like this moment kind of this whole fist fight i love the guy that clearly came in with a celebratory champagne on a platter yeah. <laughs> bond just punches in the face <laughs> though i wanted that bottle to be used as a weapon too oh that would have been cool yeah but the spear gun for the end was good so that was okay spear gun is good um, that random like scientist dude who's like he has like a whole change of heart though for Bond never meets him. He jumps out of the boat and we never see him again. Yeah, <laughs> that's uh, that's the one storyline that I felt like they didn't resolve. And I think he dies in the book, but they just for some reason didn't want to address here in the movie. They're saving him for later, just in case they could bring him back later. Sure, yeah, <laughs> but I like how he's randomly he's like I've already disarmed it and threw the arming device into the ocean. You're like, oh, thanks, dude. <laughs> thanks. So now you just have to escape. Yeah. <laughs> um, I did like how that ends with him and Domino. It's not like the same beat as in Dr. No and the other ones where it's like, well, we got an hour to like make love in this raft. It's like, no, I have a pickup <laughs> now. We get to get picked up. And that was pretty crazy. This movie ends pretty crazy with that with that jump. The plane just just grabbing that string and just lifting them out of the sky. Yeah. I was like, that must have been terrifying. Um, also the, the boat blowing up, even if the bombs are disarmed, it's like, come on. Well, you, you, there's probably still a threat of 
some are obviously an explosion. It wouldn't be a nuclear explosion. So no, but it's basically like a dirty bomb going. on. It's just like radiation. Yeah, but you know, Felix is probably like, eh, it's Miami Bay. Like you know, we're probably fine. It explains Florida today. Yeah, it's like it, we're just gonna get some mutant sharks and alligator, you know, and gators and other things. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I think that's. Great. And yeah, like I said, it ends on a crazy plane evacuation, which is cool. Um, but yeah, that's Operation Thunderball. Yeah. Operation Thunderball is pretty good. Um, I think I I put Moonraker above it, personally. I think it, it's like almost like this is the 60s version of Moonraker, where it's like, it's like, oh, they wanted to remake Thunderball, so they, but they wanted to do it in space because of Star Wars. Yeah, that's fair. You know, so I, 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 I kind of I see them as a little bit equal, but in far as because it's Roger Moore and you have Jaws and it's come these other sort of elements that I think help sell the campiness of that world. Um, I, 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 I could see why you like Moonraker more, but I do like the iconicness of in the sixties sort of of this. You know, yeah. Well, also the I think the this has well Moonraker has good villains too because of Jaws, but. This has I Largo's mean, better than Drax, I think. Yeah, because yeah. Drax is way too dry and too just emotionless. Whereas I think I like this dynamic between Largo and Bond. I like them at, during the the gambling scene, which is good. I like them in the skeet shooting scene, um, you know, and then the fight at the end. I think all of the, like that all works pretty well. So yeah, um, which then again, classic I, Bond movie beginning to end. It's it it crazy how much actually beats from Moonraker are like this because yeah. the shooting scene is just. <laughs> Anyways, I, I feel like we have a running theme of "Hey, this seems familiar." Well, that's that's like the thing about this movie is it feels like like this story in this movie kind of sets the format for a lot of other Bond movies and stories. Yeah, but um, I think ultimately later on a lot of them take some of these ideas and do a better job with them which is why now seeing it because the order we're doing it in i'm kind of like oh i don't like it feels reductive even if it was like technically where the ideas came from in some ways yeah no yeah it's it's weird to think like the thing the first ones once you get far enough away from them they you go back and watch them because they feel redundant but then you realize oh wait these are the ones that actually started it all these ones that laid the groundwork for everything so it's like you have to sort of give them credit for what they were doing at the time but at the same time also be like that's also from a different era right and with that also there's you know some problems of it being an era and watching it from a 2020 perspective yeah i mean yeah this movie is like 60 years old yeah so yeah (laughs) it's a very old movie it actually um, it, it would be cause it's 65 so it is yeah 65, 65 years old or 55 yeah. years old yeah 55, 55. years old is, yeah. it's a very old movie uh and for that reason it has a lot of very outdated things in it and i would like to see some of these older bomb movies remade leave out all of the garbage <laughs> but keep the coolness yeah keep the cool drop all the predatory stuff <laughs> yeah yeah so um but yeah so we are now going to, I think, go into my next... Actually, probably one of my favorite movies. We're getting um, near the end of the books. 
Yes, we're getting we're starting to get in the books. Um, so after this, I believe it is. Um, I do like the jumping around between stuff, but uh, it'll also be kind of fun now to start to watch everything in a different in like chronological movie order soon. Yes. Yeah. No, I know. I agree. Um, yeah. So we're we're gonna be. I think. I think we're jumping. Actually, no. I think we might jump over to the Spy Who Loved Me. But I, I think the order. I don't know if we do that or Honor Majesty's Secret Service before that. But what's the next book? Um, actually, I yeah, know we're doing the Spy Who Loved Me. That is the, that is the next book in okay. terms of release. Um, which and is it, that Connery or more? That one is uh, more. This actually one. Okay. Actually, you'll, uh, oh my god, it's gonna be so actually really funny. How actually almost the same exact plot of this movie. <laughs> really yes it's about basically a nucleus two nuclear submarines are stolen and uh you know bond has to stop the nu- great nuclear mechanic except it's not blofeld this time because they were the whole the whole right lawsuit stuff it's this other guy who like hugo drax wants to restart humanity and live under the ocean okay so it'll it's gonna be interesting but this movie i think reset a lot of things that were after Live and let die in the mammoth building. Do you have like gun. a like a geo like a geodome under underwater like yeah. a space like a space lab kind yep. of a thing? Yep. Yep. Oh, dude, I'm pumped for this. Is yeah. This, what? How is this film regarded? It's actually considered one of the best in this year. Hell yeah! It, it, I am excited. It's considered one of the best more movies. Awesome, because it's That's got great. not only got more, but he's working with a Russian agent. It's pretty cool. Barbara Bach, she's great, and. Um, you know, it's like you got oh, and Jaws. We get Jaws back. Great. So this is this uh, then is the I'm definitely into this. And this is actually the, this is this. actually the reason why Jaws is great. It's not the goofy Jaws. It's the threatening Jaws. Yeah. So that's awesome. So now I'm excited. That's awesome. But uh, well, great. So we'll see you everyone next week. Yep. For we'll that see. movie here on Watch World. Yep. See you on the next mission. <laughs>